The Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 14 through 19 of The Great Hunt, book two of The Wheel of Time. Uh, last time. Yeah, so previously on The Dragon Reread, Land teaches Rand how to sheath his own sword and the boys go horn hunting, neither of which are nearly as bad as they sound. <laughs> Despite having a sniffer, which is a terrible name, the horn hunters are struggling catching up to the dark bros, but they do get a tour of some super spooky villages, so that's nice. You know, a little haunted tour. Uh, we learn that Padden Fane is now running the Dark Bros show and is getting pretty tortury with things. Like, he's, he's getting kind of dark. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a good place to hang around. Meanwhile, Egwene and Nynaeve get some magic lessons, and Egwene has a semi-prophetic dream, so apparently she can do that now. That's cool. Uh, Rand goes on a little interdimensional trip and takes two of the most useful characters along with him, which is convenient since, you know, he needs, like... <laughs> Loyal for his book stuff and the sniffer for his tracking stuff. It's like, yeah, right. He's just like, fuck the other guys. I've got the good guy. I've got the good stuff. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is a, this is, the book is finally picking up, I think. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of throat clearing and just sort of recapitulating, uh, what, you, what we already knew about these characters in the first few chapters of this book, but now stuff is happening. It took them forever to get out of that, that first town. Like, it took them so long. It took yeah. them probably half the book, right? Yeah, something like that, yeah, from Faldara. Well, yeah. to be fair, I think that they kind of had to set up a lot of Aes I stuff, too, and teach us what the Amarlin seat is. And That's true. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff is going to be useful information, and I, I found it interesting. But uh, I, I have a high tolerance for, like, dry facts in books, you know. Yeah, well, The Martian is one of your... One of your favorite books of 2016, right? It's, it's one right? of the world's favorite books, isn't it? <laughs> the best, right? Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Was it 2016? Earlier than that. Well, that's when you read it and liked it, oh, right? Oh, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. There was there was a lot of useful exposition stuff, but I think there was a lot of like repeating character stuff to remind us that these characters do these things, which, yeah. you know, maybe maybe it makes more sense if you read them months apart, but for us, because we read them pretty close together. Well, they were released years apart, so that's that's very likely they were written for that. Well, and this was in the pre-internet era, or pre-web, at least. <laughs> that's right. Another thing, too, is um, we've met a lot more people, mm-hmm. too. I feel like a lot more characters have been introduced in this book. Yeah, they definitely introduced a, a whole slew of new people that we're trying to keep track of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's get right to it. Chapter 14, Wolf Brother, with a picture of a wolf. So I think there's probably something to do with wolves in this chapter. <laughs> or brothers. Or wolf brothers, yeah. So this, this is just after uh, Rand has disappeared with uh, Loyal and Huron, and Ingtar, Matt, and Perrin are back with Ingtar's team of horn hunters, and uh, they don't know what happened. <laughs> they, these people just disappeared. Uh, and they're missing Huron, which is important, because Huron is their sniffer. And they don't appear to do any actual tracking, as we would understand it. They just use this magic guy they happen to have, who does all the sniffing for them. And they know how to track. I mean, Uno does have... They, they talk about his like ability to like follow a trail and stuff. Yeah. But they just don't do that there. They never think about that, really. Uh, they're like, oh no, we'll never find the Dark Friends. Uh, and, and then Perrin decides, it's time to go Wolfie, finally. Finally. Yeah. But I, I want to point out that Matt is back to his, like coming down with a case of won't shut the fuck up itis it's like a thing that he has where he's like oh you know he probably ran away because and he turns like because why <laughs> uh, yeah. no reason well see and that drives me crazy too because then later on just a few pages later they think they they see someone's coming and matt says maybe it's rand i knew he wouldn't run out on me I yeah mean, even though he says that like five times in the first few pages yeah, and just the last chapter, the last interaction they have was Matt saying, everything's different now. You're not friends anymore. I'm going to go sleep on the other side of camp from you. Yeah. yeah. And then Perrin's like, you should probably run away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you probably can't run away, but you should probably run away. Well, and then my, they wake up and, you know. My favorite part is uh, when they're riding, the, when, whenever Rand tries to ride his horse next to them, they always like fall back, which seems like such a mean girls high school kind of thing <laughs> to really do. Is. Ugh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ride with you. <laughs> they try and like sit down at his lunch table and they all get up and like, go yeah. to different people. <laughs> These people literally grew up together. They are each other's oldest friends, but they're like, nah, nah. You said a mean thing to me. So yeah. at this point, can we agree that Matt's just an asshole? Like he doesn't have the, the poisoned dagger anymore. He's just an asshole. Well, he's got the effect. Of the taint on him, he yeah. is still doing the 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 frowning and muttering to himself thing. That he starts the chapter with, he's like mm. Matt is just sitting in a corner muttering to himself. It's like, <laughs> oh, you know, that's yeah. not crazy. That's 
That's then normal. nobody remarks on it. Yeah. Okay. That's, That's what that Matt does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, it's a little rough, a little rough to deal with Matt at this point still. Yeah. Uh, but so Perrin, he reaches out to the wolves with his mind, with his wolf powers. And he, he meets some wolves because there's just wolves around all the time. Uh, and it's really awesome. And the wolves are really cool. And they have a special name for him. It's so cool. They call him Young Bull. <laughs> and he has, yeah, like, and because wolf speak is the way it is, it's not just a name. They give him, like, a, a picture of what he looks like. He's a bull with metal horns. Like, it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, but not just a bull with metal horns. Like a, like a young bull that's, like, feeling his strength and frisking and running through the night and the wind and stuff. And whatever. throwing himself among the white cloaks and kill, like, like that's their, their memory of him. Is and murdering, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> Blood's so red on, on his horns. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, that's a great description. And we learn their name for Elias, too, in passing. What are they called? Longtooth? Longtooth, yeah, because yeah. he has that metal dagger, apparently. That's their... Yeah. But but in, in his picture, he's a wolf with a really long metal tooth. Which is kind of yeah, right. And it, But also, he's hunting a deer in in the winter or something, right? To feed the pack is a whole thing. Yep, sure. That's right. Part of Elias' name. So that's cool. I like wolf names. I want a wolf name. I know. They're, they're kind of great. It kind of <laughs> made me wonder, like, do dogs have names for us? We've, what would... What, you have two dogs. What do you mm-hmm. think their name for you would be? Uh, I think their name, probably the Shouter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's a picture of you, like, standing and, like, with, like, an, like, a storm cloud look on your face and, like, pointing at something and shouting and they don't understand what's going That's on. Right, exactly. Staring at the glowing screen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so they don't, the wolves don't know where Rand and, and them are, but they do know where Pat and Fane and the Trollocs are. So useful. And they hate them because they hate Trollocs because wolves are good. Because they're cool, and they, they look really good on t-shirts. <laughs> Wolves? Absolutely. Yeah. Raise uh, your hand if you have a wolf t-shirt. That's right. <laughs> Both guys raise their hands. <laughs> yes. Wait, Alice, you don't have any wolf t-shirts? I don't, but I kind of want one. I know I what you're getting you for the holidays. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Christmas present. Yeah, so yeah, Perrin tells Ingtar about the wolf stuff, and Ingtar is pretty cool with it, uh, but they agree not to tell anybody else for reasons that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, because, well, I mean... I guess the idea is that, well, you remember Elias mentioned that, that people kind of thought it was the same as channeling, and the, the people that are hanging out with Ingtar aren't necessarily all educated or, you know. That, so far, the Shinarans we've met have all been woke, right? Yeah. They, they've all, they don't think you're a dark friend just because you're different from other people. But, they, they're, but they're definitely not on board with a guy who has magical powers. That's true. Yeah, we're and, channeling. Yeah, so and you know, but, but they've got the sniffer, right? They're literally traveling that's with a, a dude point. with magic powers. In fact, they, they that's what they say. They're like, Perrin is a sniffer too. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's like a thing. Yeah, Wolf Brother's not okay, but sniffer is okay uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. And I, th- there's just this really dumb moment because Ingtar and Perrin are talking about how Perrin has these wolf powers, and Ingtar seems to catch something in Perrin's eyes. You know, Elias. And I said, and I wrote, no shit, like, his eyes are golden. Yes, of course he caught something in Perrin's eyes. His eyes are fucking yellow now. <laughs> he caught that his eyes were gold. Yeah. Wait, what? Nobody's noticed that they're wolf eyes, which has which Robert Jordan only tells us, like, 10,000 times. Yeah, and also he growls sometimes, and he also has hackles. You know, those are all... Right, he has hackles now. <laughs> Snarls. Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the, the Shinarans, or at least Ingtar, knows about Elias Machira. Um, well, he was a warder, so and warders have a close tie with Shinarans, right? Uh, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, that's Ing- that's all I figure. Ingtar's so cool. I love Ingtar. He's just accepting of this. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's so my pretty, new favorite. Seems like a pretty good dude. So the wolves help them find the uh, the pile of bodies that uh, Pat and Fane left behind. Pile of body parts, I should say, which is uh, it's pretty rough. Yeah, and they, you know they they still they're still talking about these like unimaginable things. But I, again, I, I feel like this is like. It seems like pretty standard fare for Trollocs, you know? Yeah, pile of body parts. I mean, it's not even as bad as a blood eagle, right? Blood eagle? Ugh. Blood eagle? That's where you sever the spine from the rib cage and then you open it up in the back? The Vikings used to do that, and they put the lungs outside of it, so it'd be like it was wings. Yeah. While the people were still alive. That's horrible. It was yeah, I mean, Vikings. Vikings, yeah, Vikings be crazy. <laughs> so the Vikings are worse than Trollo- Trollocs, apparently. Yeah, I guess it's true. Yeah. And anyway, Matt continues to be a huge dick because Perrin decides to go with this story that he's a sniffer, and a lot of people are going with it, but Matt Matt was the hardest to convince. He says, I'm the only sane one left from Emmons Field, even though he's... Even though he's clearly not! <laughs> I know! He was literally arguing with himself at the beginning of the chapter, and then it says he kept up a string of... De- 
disparaging remarks until they got back onto the path of the Trollocs and the Dark Friends. <laughs> so now he's like decided to be a dick to Perrin now that, now that Rand's gone, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Matt. <laughs> Matt sucks. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, they get caught up to by Viren, the Aes Sedai. Which is great. I like Vera. Me too. She like shows up and just like cuts through the bullshit. She's like, here's what's going on. Here's what we need. Let's do this shit. You yeah, know? right. She, I'm a big fan. Yeah, she's looking for Rand. Uh, she done, not really saying that out loud, but she is looking for Rand. She said she's been sent by Moraine, which I guess she probably has been, right? She's probably in on the Moraine conspiracy now. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's, she's one of three Aes Sedai who know about it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she shows up. She's pretty cool. And they decide basically to head on south because Rand had disappeared. Uh, yeah. So, chapter 15, Kinslayer, with the mark of the, the Heron Mark blade. So, we're back to Rand. Rand, Loyal, and Huron, uh, they're traveling through this weird ass world they find themselves in that they woke up in. And, and everything is super weird. Like, distances change when they turn their heads. It's hard to tell how far away things are. There's these giant burned swaths, like stripes across the ground that they travel across. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what, like, I was trying to picture what they were talking about, but it just seems like there's maybe some big, some massive pattern burned into the ground or something, maybe? Could be, yeah. And they're walking across parts of it. It sounded like a brush fire, almost, to me, except it's got hard lines, and and they see the ends of the lines at some point. They come to, like, sharp ends. And they mentioned that... uh, He's reminded of this time he watched a car- someone named Watley decorate a cart. And I had to read this paragraph three times because he immediately starts abbreviating Watley's name as Watt, <laughs> which is just what. <laughs> and it doesn't, like, there's no clear transition. It's just like, what painting? And I had to read this thing like three times to figure out. He was on first. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. a very confusing paragraph. But yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's, really, it's really interesting. You also saw like lines in the sky, too, as though like, like clouds, like something's flying around up there. But that's the only thing they see. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's just weird. It's a weird place. Everything's faded out, like not, like insubstantial kind of. At one point, Loyal makes a quarterstaff for him, like using his singing with a tree. That was cool. Yeah, which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, made himself a weapon, and he's like, the, he just, but he says, like, the land wanted him to make a weapon. It was happy. Uh, yeah, this is a weird place. I mean, uh, they talk about the fact that not only do they not see anything, there's not even, like, minnows in the streams. It's just like the world is, like, sterile. There's yeah. no fauna whatsoever. No, no life, except for the plants and stuff. What's uh, flora? Yeah. You're right. <laughs> what you said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're heading, they're following the trail because they don't have anything else to do. And uh, Rand is like being a leader. I guess this is what we're seeing is a transition to Rand actually kind of taking charge instead of just being a pawn. Uh, which is exactly what Moraine wanted him to do. I know. He's like, he's all, oh, you can't pull my strings. And he's just like dancing along. But there's this whole bit where Huron just needs a leader because he just needs to be led. And Rand decides to be a lord because he's taller or something. It was interesting commentary, right? Because he, he says something like, I don't remember exactly what he says, but it's something like, you know, maybe that's the real job of lords is like when, it, when things, when people are... People don't know what to do. They, it's someone they can look at and say, this person is going to lay. It's, it gives people confidence, I guess. I mm-hmm. don't know. It's an interesting interesting thought that he's like, oh, I could be a lord as long as I just pretend like I know yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. More like a CEO, really. Yeah. Yeah. And another weird thing in this world, too, is Huron ki- kind of is picking up these scents, right? He's picking up these smells of violence, some of them fresh. Uh, he, so he's, he's getting all these fresh scents of violence and things, but he, we're not seeing any physical evidence of that. That's true. Yeah, he says there's violence everywhere. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, so there's something... This world is not a fun place to be. Mm-hmm. No, it, and it makes them sick to look at, like, to if you look at the horizon, it's, it's just a very unpleasant place. It kind of yeah. reminded me of their experience in The Blight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, everything's wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that it, you know... Yeah, it's just a... It makes them kind of sick, just, like, looking yeah. around and things. Yeah, yeah so they... The next time they camp, though, uh, we have a, a Rand dream, because I know we were all waiting for the next Rand dream. Yay! <laughs> when Baalzaman shows up and uh, and says a bunch of stuff that I didn't, I mostly skipped over, because it's just Baalzaman ranting. And there's also another evil fog. There's an evil fog. Yeah. yeah. Something that shows up evil. pretty regularly in, mm-hmm. in the Wheel of Time series. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Baalzaman rants about how, you know, Rand can never win, eventually he'll serve him or die, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but then he burns Rand, and he does his his trick, which is 
which was pretty cool the first time, but this is, I think, the fifth or sixth time where he injures Rand, and then Rand wakes up with the injury. So, was it a real dream or not? Yeah. This is a pretty sweet injury, though. This time, he, like, burns Rand's blade, and and, and the, the heron brands his palm. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. I mean, like, that's like getting a sweet tattoo, right? I mean, like... Yeah, right, except for the pain right. being burnt. True. <laughs> And, we, and he says something very cryptic, though. Balsamon is talking about followers. He talk, He says, you have these two followers, and he's referring to Loyal and Huron. But he also says, the girl who tries to watch over you, a poor guardian and weak kinslayer, if she had a lifetime to grow, she would never grow strong enough for you to hide behind. And Rand is confused by this because he thinks that Balsamon is talking about Moraine, but but Moraine is not a girl. So I was very curious mm-hmm. about that. Oh, this yeah. is Egwene, yeah. I think it's Egwene. Because... She had a dream with Balsamon. Mm-hmm. He was Balsam- surprised to see her. Yeah. Like, he was creeping on Rand in her dream, mm-hmm. and then she, and he saw her. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, because I think Egwene is going to be more of a character when we initially met her. I thought she was just going to be kind of a girl from the village who has some magic powers, but it seems like she's becoming more involved in this secondary plot that's mm-hmm. going on between Rand and Balsamon. You got a thread in the pattern. Ooh, <laughs> Yeah, so far it seems like whoever comes out of Edmund's Field has, like, a, a, a superpower. We yeah, talk, this, yeah. this is why no one leaves Edmund's Field, because you, like, something happens to you and you get powers and you never can live, live the same again. <laughs> it's like Superman when he comes off of Kryptonite and he's, like, on a, he's exposed to our yellow sun, all of a sudden he has superpowers. <laughs> same deal, right? Yeah. Leave Edmund's Field and, whoo, superpowers. <laughs> right. So that's uh yeah that's the end of that chapter uh, chapter sixteen in the mirror of darkness. This is a picture of the dragon's fang. So we're still in the other world with Rand, Loyal, and Huron, uh, and they come across a spire, uh, and they they think it's that 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 monument to Hawking's victory at first that that Ingtar was talking about, uh, but they get close to it and it's not. It's covered in Trolloc script and it's not a hawk on the top. It's a raven. Right. It's a sign of the dark one. Uh, so. That sucks. It's like a dark monument to the Dark One's victory or something. Yeah, because apparently in this alternate reality, humanity is just, like, wiped out. It's, like, super dead. Yeah. So we find out that this is an alternate reality, which surprised me. I wasn't expecting that. That seems more like a science fiction trope to me, the multiverse, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because they talk about the, 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 the pattern being, like, a, a tapestry, but it makes it... If there's, like, all these branching... Paths, it makes it more like a three-dimensional... Right, yeah, it's all... It's more complex than even they understood. Right. If they have all these other worlds that also have stuff going on in them. Yeah. Uh, but this is... I love this monument. This is so uh, horrific to me, you know? this They come up on this thing, the monument... Whenever we see monuments in the real world, it's, like, usually a good thing. But there's, like, a monument to evil or something. It's like yeah. It sounds like the Washington Monument with a bird on top. <laughs> the way they described it, you know? Well, kind of like the Vietnam Memorial, honestly, with all the names. Yeah, that's what we had talked about last time. So what do you think the Dark One has carved into it? If it's like, Because we know the Archer Hawkwing's uh, monument was the names of all the soldiers who had fallen at, uh, at that mm-hmm. battle. Mm-hmm. So who do you think, uh, what do you think the Dark One's got carved into it? Mm-hmm. Poop, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty jokes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like uh, that the names of the Trollocs doesn't seem like something that yeah. the Dark One would do. Yeah. You know, building a monument doesn't sound like something the Dark One would do, really, right? Yeah, just sort of a dick move. Maybe a Dreadlord would do that or something. It could be that he knows that in another reality there is an Arch or or Hawkwing monument, so it's like his way of blaspheming. Yeah. Uh, Right. And so, yeah, Loyal gives him the info that this is a a world where the, the Trollocs won, so Loyal also MVP. As usual. Yeah, good thing you brought Loyal along, because Loyal just knows everything. Uh, but, oh no, there's a woman screaming. Something bad is happening. That They rush to help this woman who's in danger. It's probably not a trap. It's probably fine. Yeah, this is just, in this world, it's absolutely a normal thing to happen. Right. So he saves a woman from a grom, uh, which is a, is like a, what do you say? Enormous it? frog. A frog about the size of a bear, but it has three eyes. It's like yeah. a bear, frog, frog bear. A frog Man, bear, bear, bear frog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he shoots it in the eye, which is apparently the only way you can kill a Grom. Uh, Groms suck. And this is Rand doesn't really remark on how weird this situation is that they've traveled for days without seeing anybody, and then they see this little scenario play out of the monster attacking a pretty woman. Yeah, that, it's just he do, doesn't even occur to him that's a little weird, right? Yeah, and oh, how pretty she is! Yeah, she's, she's a so beautiful. super hottie. She's the the prettiest person ever. And Loyal comes in with like the smooth lines, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what, what does he say? What he says, uh, let's see, hold on. Oh, man, I have to find it now. I do notice there is a moment when he sees her that he literally runs down the in his mind all the pretty women he knows and compares her to them. Conveniently, <laughs> <laughs> well, also, mostly women who, like, have a little thing for him. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Brand has a pretty sweet line. Oh, yeah. He says, a man who will who will not die to save a woman is no man. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who, I wonder who, or who we heard that one from. Sounds like something Lion would say. <laughs> that, that made me roll my eyes a little bit. Like, whatever, kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on. Oh, yeah, so Loyal says, um, I've never thought of it before, but if there is such a thing as perfect human beauty in face and form, then you are. <laughs> and, 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 like, Rand cuts him off, but well, I mean, that's pretty, you know. I mean, that's, that's all right. That's pretty good for, uh, for, or what's it, uh, a builder line. Yeah. That's a little much for an intro, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she introduces herself as Celine. How does she know it's called a Grom? She knows a lot of things, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, I know. It's just like really. It's like she knows. She knows about this Grom. She knows how to kill it. Hmm. Smart. Uh, smart. She girl. knows all about the stones. Yeah. Uh, all about the the worlds of if, or I think she calls it something like that. Uh, yeah. She knows about the ways. Uh, she knows about a book that Lo- even Loyal has never heard of. Yeah. Uh, called Mirrors of the Pattern or something like that. It's specifically about these alternate worlds. Right, yeah. So she's extremely well informed for somebody that accidentally fell into these stones. Mm-hmm. And she has a, a an ointment that heals just as well as Nynaeve's ointments. Mm, yeah, those huh. ointments which we happen to know only work because Nynaeve is channeling secretly. Yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. Yeah, but she heals his hand, which is nice. Yeah. So he's just... She leaves him with a sweet scar. Yeah. Luckily, she didn't heal it too much, just enough so it looks cool. Yeah, sweet heron scar on his palm. Uh, and she immediately starts encouraging Rand to find the horn and be a, a hero, and talking about how proud she would be to stand next to the man who blew the horn of Valir. <laughs> and she asks, uh, or Rand asks her if she's an Aes Sedai, and she has like a really strong reaction to it. Yeah, she's like, no, they're just like, they're children. <laughs> like, or the, the, what she says, she says, no, they're. Uh, they cower in what they it, think is safety when they could do so much. Right, they serve yeah. when they could rule. Let men fight wars when they could bring order to the world. Mm-hmm. No, never call me Aes Sedai. Right? Huh? Okay. That's the, a normal thing that like a normal person would say. And yeah, no know. one's suspicious about this. Even if we go back and remember that the next Forsaken <laughs> is Lanfear, yeah, lady. We, like they yeah. know that, right? I mean, like they were there for that conversation, right? <laughs> I know, right? It's, I guess she's just so hot that they that it's like oh, this lady is actually no, they weren't, were they? They now that I think about that was that was Varen. That was Varen and Moraine talking okay. about from the prophecy. So they made okay. That makes me feel a little better because I really was thinking like it is so obvious that this is Lanfear, but they don't they don't know who that is. Okay, <laughs> right. all right. Is it? We don't know yet. Yeah, it, because I, we're in the mind of Rand. Here. Right, Rand. Rand doesn't know that. It's slow on the uptake. Thank you. That makes me feel better. Uh, he, I mean, even if he doesn't like have a recent a recent reminder that Lanfear is probably loose. Uh, this lady is all red flags, like red flags and air horns. Uh-huh. Just yeah. warning, danger. You uh-huh. know? Oh yeah, but but whatever. She's so pretty though. I'm, so I'm try- pretty. Her I'm, skin is so soft. In my mind, I'm trying to convince myself that she's like weaving some kind of spell. Like she must be playing like a dumb spell on all three of them, right? Like that's going to be a thing, right? Because she's she's like, oh my my scent is intoxicated. You know, something. I don't know. <laughs> Very possible. Because they are really really missing some obvious stuff here. Yeah, she also, I found this to be a little jarring. She wants him to find the horn and be a hero, but she also talk, tries to talk him into abandoning the hunt and going off with her. Uh, and Rand's like, no, 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 we got to keep hunting. And then Grom attack. More Grom. Yeah, every time that he's trying to do something that she doesn't want to do, some yeah, Grom show some up. Some Grom show up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, chapter 17, choices, the image of a stone. So, uh, Celine is still insisting that they need to abandon this, the hunt, and head through the portal. Uh, the portal stone that she came through. She points, she knows exactly where it is, so I guess she accidentally came through a portal stone and then wandered around for a while, is her story. Yeah, and then, luckily, they showed up just as she first found the first realm ever. Yeah, the first living thing that anybody's ever seen in this world. Right. Sure. Uh, so, but Rand is stubborn, and she's like, you're always so stubborn! I mean, uh, I mean, you seem really stubborn. Is you know, she keeps like she says that like three different times, and then like yeah. kind of half covers what she's saying. Yeah, yeah right. She's like, yeah, she's all. She says the thing which a lot of people say, which is like a stubborn man is the best kind of man once you break him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I often say that. <laughs> right. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, so a bunch of Grom attack and like like five of them, and then Rand does like this amazing job of archery and sh- shoots them all in the the center of their three eyes, uh, one after another. And it looks like the Grom want to stop attacking, but then as if compelled, they keep attacking. Yeah, more of them show up, even though the fact, even though they have not right. seen any Grom up to this point. Yeah, they have another attack, another argument, and then like dozens of them show up. Guess, like, guess we have no choice but to do what Selene has been really stubbornly yeah. asking her. To do. And Selene is constantly telling him to to use the flame in the void, uh, which she calls the oneness, uh, all the time. She says you should just stay in it all the time. The the oneness where you where you're like close to Sidon all the time. Yep. <sighs> yep. Right. So the these dozens of Grom that show up literally herd them towards the place where Selene wants them to go. Yeah. Uh, which is. The, the other stone. Right. So this, actually, from this description, I actually figured out what the layout of the stone a little bit better here. The steps lead down to the stone. I thought it was on like a pedestal with the steps leading up to it. So it's kind of like Colosseum style where there's like yeah, a ring so of... Yeah, that's, that's why it was a hollow that they didn't realize they were in this thing is because it's like... Oh. They, were, they, were down in, they just went down in a little dip. Interesting. And I, th- I think they said in the other world there wasn't much left of it, right? Like, yeah, it, right. Yeah, it's just like a just hole. rubble and stuff. Yeah, I don't recall if they had said that the stone because there. Was, I think there was a stone in the middle that they were hanging around, and I don't recall if it right. actually had it, any yeah, inscriptions underneath. Yeah, Loyal said, it, "Look, there's some writing on this," but then oh. Rand's like, "I don't care about that. Let's yeah. go to sleep." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Rand, with at Celine's encouragement, channels. I think is this the first time he channels on purpose? He channeled on purpose. Uh, at the stone that they came in through, trying to uh, to go back, and that's when he got the brain knives, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which yeah. went away, I guess. Yeah. yeah, no brain knives this time, though. Right? Yeah, but he channels the power, um, and, and and she also knows how to use the stone. She yeah, tells she him, points. I to... think this symbol here might be the one that tells us to get home. Probably, maybe <laughs> try that. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> right? Uh, she's oh yeah, I'm just like a normal old Kirhanian noblewoman, and I just read an old book or something about all the stuff that we need to know right now. Right. And I'm curious what Robert Jordan was trying to do here because it seems so obvious. Did he want it to be it, it to be that obvious to the reader yet? The characters are so oblivious. Yeah, was he? Do, did he mean to fool the reader? Was this mean, meant to be a reveal? I, I was wondering the same thing. Like, is this like? I don't know if Robert Jordan is very good at subtlety, and I wonder <laughs> if this is like his idea of subtle or something. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I can buy that Rand doesn't pick up on this stuff yeah. because Rand is is dumb. Right. He's young and dumb. Right. Uh, but Huron at least should be able to pick up on this because he is an ex- like a tracker of criminals you know he, he should be a little bit suspicious he at one point he even says like like when they get back and he doesn't smell violence everywhere he's like i feel like i could smell violence everywhere even on you celine but that's not true of course right it's like she still smells like violence or, or okay and 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 even and even loyal i mean like loyal is not even he's not human so he's not seduced by her in the same way mm-hmm. and but he's not like he's not twigged to any of this like, yeah and he knows he knows how rare this knowledge is he knows how unusual it is for somebody to know something he doesn't know yeah i guess they're just being led around by their dicks yeah right they're and they're ogier dicks, dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever ogier have yeah ogier actually have three dicks <laughs> i think they have it's the usb ponytail thing like the, like <laughs> right, the yeah from avatar <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, Rand channels the power to get them home, and like they flicker through a bunch of different worlds, which is pretty cool. I, I'm interested in this. I want to see more alternate worlds. Yeah. And Selene uh, tells them that Huron was smelling where the Dark Friends were going to be, because this is a world of if. Yeah, man. And it just again works with, that way sometimes. Again with the crucial information, you know? Yeah, which means they're they're now ahead of the Dark Friends. Great. Uh, by the way, I, the Dark Friends, I, in my notes, I call them PF and the DFs. <laughs> That's good. Adam Fame and the Dark Friends. PF and the DFs. Yeah. I like that better than Dark Bros. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> so uh, they decide, since they are ahead of the Dark Friends, to just sit and wait and catch them. Uh, yeah. Although I think Celine is still telling them to, like, Celine is still telling them to wait because yeah. she wants Rand to get the horn right. and be glorious, and she'll be the woman that stands behind or stands beside the man who blew the horn in glory. That is her thing. And. And I want to I want to point something out. Like uh, Rand, a couple of times throughout these last couple of chapters, is talking about the idea of like wanting to be with Celine and like how great she is and stuff. But like one of the things that that 
he he identifies as a, a as a an ideal mate is that that she tells him he's cool. I mean, like it's like really is that the thing? Like it's an important trait in your partner that they're telling you how awesome you are. Well, like, he, he grew up in a place where apparently nobody ever said any nice things to him. Right? <laughs> That's a good point. You know, where people were just rough to each other all the time. You know, his best friend is Matt. <laughs> he says point. nasty things constantly. And women yeah. are always trying to take him down a notch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he's too full of himself, apparently. So this might be the first woman who's actually paid him a compliment. Who's not verbally abusive. (laughs) And and by the way, did you notice that she's pretty? Yeah. (laughs) That's a good point. They only mentioned that 20,000 times. Yeah. Yeah. She's very pretty. Uh, Yeah, and he's thinking about, like, marrying her and stuff. But he's like, but no, what would Egwene say? I thought they they dealt with that, right? Didn't they sort of break up? Yeah, I mean... Because they went to college. (laughs) She went to college, you know, and he was going to go off and... Go crazy. Or no, distance relationships never work. Well, you know, he wanted to go back to the hometown and stick around there. And she's like, but I want to go to college, you know. <laughs> she didn't want to go to the local school, so. Yeah. Chapter 18. To the White Tower with the Flame of Tarvalon. Speaking of Egwene. Uh, so Egwene and Nynaeve are heading to Tarvalon on the boat. And Egwene is still having dreams. Capital D dreams, I think. Right. Because she's a dreamer. Uh, but she's not the only one. <laughs> but she's not the only one. I mean, she actually is the only one right now, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, and they, they've been getting lessons in channeling, and we get a little little bit of lesson here, because the Amarlin Seat comes in and, and teaches them some stuff. But uh, I want to point something out. So Nynaeve is, is seasick, right? Yeah. And Egwene uh, mentions that she stopped trying to bring her food after Nynaeve throws the bowl at her three different times. <laughs> Did she say that? <laughs> Hold on, let me find it. Uh, she had given up offering Nynaeve food after the third time the Wisdom threw the bowl at her. Oh my god. Like, can you imagine that? Like, That's you've awful. got a friend who's sick, right? And you're like, here, do you want something to eat? And they literally throw the bowl at you <laughs> three times. <laughs> I know, three times. Dude, okay. Alice, Team Naive here. What's going on? <laughs> Help us out. Come on. Look, I'm just saying, when you are when you feel sick, you do crazy things. I guess so. <laughs> right? So, and I'd like to point out that the Amarillan seat literally tortures Naive later yes. on during her thing. Like, yeah, I think she... Seems like she crosses a line a little bit. Yeah, because we because the Amarlin seed is saying that Nynaeve can only channel when she's angry, so she's trying to piss Nynaeve off as much as she can. So she creates something that glistened like grease and smelled vile. She forces it into the Wisdom's mouth and holds her nose to make her swallow it to try to get her to be angry. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fucked up. Yeah, it's a pretty dick move. But yeah. I mean, and, I- and she uses the the one power to, to pick Nynaeve up and, like, manipulate her body and, like, blocks her from channeling with the one power and, like, spanks her or something. Like, tortures her in all kinds of different ways. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, this is a pretty uncomfortable scene. And, and I, I get it. Like, Nynaeve, they, they've learned that Nynaeve is only able to channel when she's angry, but it just, it's just not seen the right way to handle it. It feels mm-hmm. more like they're trying to break her. Yeah. I yeah, it right. does feel like that. And they talk about that, how this, this is what it's like to be a novice. We, we break you. Uh, because, you know, it's so hard to be an Aes Sedai that, that we need to make sure you won't break later on or something. During Aes Sedai boot camp. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> they, they keep talking. This is a little bit, this is a disconnect for me because they keep talking about how few novices they have and how few new Aes Sedai there are, but they rule them out with this incredibly grueling boot camp. Can't they just find, like, you know, an office job for them in, in Tarvalon? Well, you know, whatever Aes Sedai do, something, like, they could have... I mean, if they if they're so desperately in need of people who can channel, why don't they have them be healers or something? I mean, they do something have the brown like, Aja. They could just go work in a library, right? Yeah, right. Why did they? Why do they need this stress testing so much? I think they're worried about the women having this power, especially if it's uncontrolled and just kind of letting them loose, what being unprepared to use the power. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's more of a control thing. Yeah. So in in that in that case, what do they do with the ones who don't pass ice at high school? They send them home. Yeah. Do they just send them home, or do they? Oh man, do they steal them? They steal them? I don't know. Because I mean, like, you can't have them running around with the with the one power if they don't know how to use it, right? It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They they say specifically they're super dangerous to be doing it if you're not trained. Yep. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, because the they meet the this woman. I can't remember what her name was, but she's really nice to him. It's the the not the head of the novices. Or oh yeah, this is after they. Uh, they they reach Tarvalon. Oh right, right. Uh, the boat gets there, and uh, and Egwene and Nynaeve are, are left to find their own way to the tower. They try uh, and ask directions, and the guys like, uh, you know, I'm, look, I'm busy, but you better hurry up there. They really don't like it when you're when you're yeah, late. Right? Yeah. Fuck you, you're novices. So I think that's the that's the key to the experience where that they're about to have because they've been they've been treated as very special up to this point because they're 
you know, powerful novices are so rare. Uh, but once they get there, they're going to be the lowest of the low. Yeah. And so they, yeah, they get to Tarvalon. Tarvalon is awesome. It's like a fairy city, you know, like beautiful towers and everything gorgeous. Built by the Ogier right after the Age of Legends ended. And there aren't very many places left that are built by Ogier, right? Like, yeah, that's right. Torn apart. They also mentioned that the uh, that there are bridges leading in and out of uh, Tarvalon that are, that are like white lace, and it kind of reminded me of White Bridge. It's true. I wonder if it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. Uh, but yeah, they're they're met. But as they're wandering around the city, basically, by uh, Sheriam, is what I call her? Shiriam. Shiriam. By Shiriam, who is the mistress of novices. So she's going to be their their headmistress, you know, their Dumbledore uh, at this point. Right. And Nobody else can be Dumbledore. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, just two different actors can be Dumbledore. Oh. <sighs> Too soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they... And, and she's like... She's actually pretty nice to them at first, but... It's, I think it's implied that she's going to torture them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that seems... That, well, she talks about... Well, it's, it's funny because the, up till this point, they've been told how novices have a really tough time. Uh, and Nynaeve is, is, is talking to Sherem and says, you know, go easy on Egwene because, you know, she can't... Yeah, don't, don't torture my friend the way you've been torturing me. Yeah. And Sherem's like, oh, don't worry, novices have it pretty easy. It's actually... Like they accepted in their first couple of weeks who get really hard. Yeah, because Nynaeve, for being as good as she is with channeling so far, is getting bumped up to be accepted. So she was hoping she'd be skipping out on the torture, but now it sounds like Shuriam's like, no, no, you're about yeah. to get it real bad. Which I think was meant to be funny. You know, wah, 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 you know. It didn't feel very funny. No. It felt kind of sinister and menacing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. I think it, it was like a like a little bit of slapstick humor in Robert Jordan's mind, but it did not feel that well, way. Well, it's, what I was thinking is this is like boot camp. Yeah, Remember? it like is. Robert Jordan was a, was a soldier. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So this is this is maybe his idea of how you you train people to do something really important is you first you break down their personalities in boot camp and and, and make them malleable in that way. Yeah. So they can survive under unimaginable stresses. Right. Because they, the, yeah, they've already been like they they've, they've already been through the severe stress and they've already bonded. They 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 become like members of a team, less individualistic. Sisters. Sisters, mm. sisters yeah. in arms. Yeah, and and maybe the the accepted those first few weeks. Maybe it's like Hell Week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it could like. be. Yeah, I wonder. I know, like fraternities when they when they do that for fraternities and sororities. Do you think it's like does it actually serve a purpose, or is it to just get their jollies by torturing people you can torture? Uh, yes, I think it's both. <laughs> yeah, I think that the idea is you know having never actually been through any of the Greek systems, I think that the idea is that it it, it brings each group together because they there's it's like shared torment shared mm-hmm. commiseration right. you know there's something that makes you bond with people really quickly right um, this is i'm excited this is gonna be fun i'm yeah. gonna see more of tarvalon mm-hmm. i'm gonna see more ice Sedai. i'm actually kind of more interested in this than what's going on with rand and all them yes well it seems like that's got like a really obvious we know where this is going like we know what's going to happen here but this is this is a little bit more mysterious and interesting to me yeah so, so chapter 19 beneath the dagger uh with the picture of the Horn of Valir. So uh, they've been waiting for days for Padden Fane, and Rand keeps saying, is it, did I get this backwards? Rand wants to leave, right? Yeah, Rand, Rand is like, we should just take you to Karhain. Uh, you yeah. know, we're, we, we've been here, we're, we're, we're wasting our time, essentially. Yeah, yeah and, and but she's like, no, no, you have to wait, you have to get the Horn, uh, because you have to get the glory, because you have to be glorious. And Rand's like, no, I don't want the glory. Yeah, it's like, I keep telling you this, but you're so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so, at this at this point, Celine makes a really transparent pass at Rand. And she, I mean, like, this is... starts out, she's going through his saddlebags for some reason. Yeah. While like, he's asleep. Yeah, yeah while and he's, he's like, can I help you? And that, like, not in a suspicious way, like, hey, I want to help you. And Which, she's, you know, she's like, yeah, I you mean... can help me get naked. <laughs> yeah. And okay. she pulls the... the, the a girl in an oversized men's shirt trick, which is like, it's interesting to see that it spans worlds and traditions. Indeed. Like in every age, some things are the same. The girl in your shirt is pretty hot. (laughs) (laughs) And she does that. And, uh, and, and and everybody's, everybody's like, Oh my God, you can see her legs. (laughs) Loyal comes in. He's like, and Huron comes in. He's like, It's an right. awkward situation. Uh, but luckily, rescuing all of us from this awkward situation, Huron sees a fire. They finally spot Padden Fane's Trollocs yeah. and them uh, down in the valley, because they're up in the mountains. They're up in the mountains of Kinslayer's Dagger, which is where they came out of the portal. 
Let's see. Initially, Rand is thinking that he wants to let them pass by and pursue them in the morning, right? And he's like, we don't yeah, want to hook deal up with Ingtar. Right. But Selene's like, no, you should go check it out. <laughs> yeah, you should go in there and, and, and confront them because glory. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds good. Uh, and at one point it says, <laughs> he gets up on his horse because they're going to head, uh, him and Loyal are going to go there. And he's like, the shirt has seemed to mold itself to her body. <laughs> so I think she's using magic to like make this shirt more sexy. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Increase sexy 40%. <laughs> right, so she's got a spell for that, I guess. Yeah. And so they go, they sneak in, right? They Him and Loyal, Rand and Loyal. Sneak right into Pat and Fane's camp where they set guards, but the guards are Trollocs and Trollocs are lazy. Mm-hmm. That's how they go to sleep. And he just, he puts himself in the, in the void and starts acting really crazy. Yeah. And sneaks in and grabs the dagger and gets Loyal to grab the, the Horn of Valir just like that. Yeah. Just like yeah. walks in and takes it. Yeah. It's pretty ballsy. Everybody's sleeping. He walks in. Yeah. I was really surprised how easily that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I... It wasn't really that easy all along, I guess. Well, I mean, I guess it's... They're not expecting anyone to be sneaking into their camp. I mean, like, if you've got a a crowd of Trollocs, most people are just going to steer clear of that, right? Like, maybe they don't feel like they need guards, exactly? Yeah. I, they mentioned that the fire is shielded from sight behind them. They're not expecting people to come from the other side of them. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's part of it, but maybe they're just... You know, Patton Fane is not a very good expedition leader. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, He's probably pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and they grab it, and Patton Fane notices when they've walked away. He wakes up. Right. Uh, like, just like sort of magically. They don't make a sound. But Panic breaks out of the camp. Patton Fane is, is shouting, and uh, everybody's running around. And Loyal's like, let's get out of here. But Rand decides to sword fight with some Trollocs for yeah. a while because Rand is really acting crazy. Yep. But it, it totally works, right? Yeah. Like he, he uses his, what is it, like hedgehog in the hedge or something like that? He uses his sword stances <laughs> or a courtier taps his fan. That kills guy. A uh, cat yeah. dances on the wall. Yeah. He starts using his stances in sword fighting and he kills like six or seven Trollocs. Yep. And at this point, it's interesting, too, because he knows now that he is channeling and he's okay with it. Yeah. Like, he's, he's like, side in is, like, part of him. It's, it's, it's been calling to him because he's been in the void. So is he, is he channeling or is he just, because I, I, I know that the, the flame is supposed to be side in. It's, if he's just in the void, is he still channeling? I don't know. We don't know at this point. I don't yeah. think so. But it's, it is manipulating him somehow because he keeps thinking about it. And, and being aggressive and attacking these Trollocs and killing them True. with, like, uh, sword techniques that, you know, he spent a week practicing this. So I think something else is going on here. I don't think this is... Channeling yeah, I think something else is going on with Ran. I think that Robert Jordan actually writes pretty solid fight scenes. As I was reading this this action, it was, it was, it was very engaging, and I think it's because... I think it's because he gives these, these sword stances interesting names. They have kind of, like, evocative names. Yeah, so when great. when he says, like, Hummingbird kisses, kisses the, the honey rose. Yeah, like you can almost kind of picture what's happening there. Like, yeah, like the what is it? The the when I mentioned courtier taps his fan. Mm-hmm. I, I I thought of like that the kendo thing where like you do like the little chop forward and you you don't do any follow through. You pull the sword back as quickly as you can. Yeah. So even though he's not describing the action much because he has such evocative names for his forms, I think it adds a lot of character to the fights. Yeah. Yeah, this was this was a cool fight scene. The, the, the trollic comes out and he kills him one way. Another trollic comes out, he comes kills him another way. Yeah, and Loyal's freaking out. What are you doing? Why are you fighting these guys? And Rand is crazy because he's crazy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, they, but they get away because uh, and all the panic. Rand kills everybody in their path and they escape. And uh, they decide to head for Karhian with the stuff. Finally. And. Uh... Celine tries to get him to leave the dagger behind. So yeah. that's dangerous. You should leave that up. Leave that yeah, up. and I, I, Rand has to have told her at least a dozen times, like, the reason I'm doing this is to get this dagger for my friend. Yeah. And but, but she's like, but she knows what it is immediately. Yep. Right? Yep. And she and she's like, get away from it. Don't let it cut you. Bury it. So another thing you wouldn't expect a noble woman from Karhian to to know. Yeah. yeah, the excuse they keep using is that there's a really good library in Karian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah right. So that's why she knows the old tongue and knows these things that Loyal doesn't know. It's the library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
She is pretty. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Pretty. And she somehow managed during all this chaos to change from this shirt back into her dress, too. Yeah, that's what she was doing. Yeah. yeah. During yeah. this time. Uh, and we get a little bit of a snippet right at the end of the chapter of Pat and Fane, but it's more of like a shaking his fist. I'll, I'll get, get you, you next time, Randall Thor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get you. Uh, so, yeah, nothing there. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about these chapters? Yeah, actually. Uh, this is not specific to this chapter, but it's something that, that I, I was thinking about now that Rand is channeling more. Uh, and that's the flame in the void. So something that was bugging me, I remember it bugged me a lot the first time I read this, but it, it was bugging me up until now, is, okay, when you talk about the way that I said I learned to channel, they talk about, they all do it the same way, right? They picture this flower and they talk about the sun. And that seems to be the way, the only way that you can channel is you have to have this like specific mental image. Mm-hmm. And then, so for, for Rand and apparently for male eyes to die, it's the flame in the void. And I was thinking it's, it's kind of stupidly like unrealistically convenient that he just happens to like figure this out on his own because there are no male eyes to die mm-hmm. and there's no like literature. They destroyed all the works of male eyes to die. So there would be no place to learn for him to learn it. And he learns it from his dad. And I started thinking about that. Like, that's stupid. But then I then I started thinking about the breadcrumbs that we have. And it actually makes total sense. Because where did Rand learn it, right? From his dad. And where did why does his dad know it? Because he went out in the world and was a sword master of some kind. Right, he's a blade master. Yeah. And where did the blade masters come from? The, where did they come from? The Age of Legends? So, yeah. So, the, so blade masters started among Aes Sedai warriors. Oh. So it kind of makes sense that so like they, it's the tradition of the Isodai warriors is the the heron mark and the flame in the void and all that stuff and it, they they don't channel anymore but it's still the signifiers of the interesting yeah exactly yeah. so so it, the, the flame in the void seem to be very useful mental techniques anyway yeah and, and I think that they are I mean the, it's it's a focusing technique it. It kind of reminds me, and I don't know a lot about this, but I, I read a book in college called, I think it was called Zen and the Art of Archery, and it's it, it has a very similar uh, bent in that you're when you're shooting an arrow, you are the arrow, you're the bow, and you're the target, and it's this kind of idea of oneness. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think it's a Zen thing, which yeah, yeah, would make sense for Robert Jordan. Is, yeah, it's very Zen. Or uh, I, I've never read that, but from what I've read of Zen, it's it's a lot about like that. You. You center yourself and you bring your focus to whatever sensations you have and you accept them and then you bring your focus back to whatever you're focusing on. So so this is this sounds like Robert Jordan brought this concept from probably reading about Zen, but but it is a, just a focusing technique. So it kind of makes sense that Male Aes Sedai would teach this focus technique to non-channelers as a as like a combat thing. And mm-hmm. even though you know, books and any literature about male Aes Sedai were destroyed. They passed it down from generation to generation as, as yeah. blade masters. And it's the it's part of the the pattern, right? That that led Tamal Thor to go out and learn this thing, which you know maybe the pattern was preserving this knowledge as like if the pattern has any intent, you know, right. was preserving this knowledge and sent Tamal Thor and made him a blade master so that he could learn it and be part of this battle and get the baby and then come back and then teach it to his son. Which is exactly what he needs to know. Yeah, it's still a tremendous coincidence, but it's it makes a lot more sense if you, not reading the second time through, seeing where the Blade Master traditions come from, and that's you know Aes Sedai warriors. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think it's I, I must, it's honestly kind of funny to me to see Celine manipulating these people so obviously. Yeah. Uh, but also frustrating. Yes. Because like. I mean, I get it, right? She's manipulating them. And she's not who she says she is. Like I said, I don't think Robert Jordan is good at subtlety. He's like really, ru- like, he's like banging it on it, like banging our heads, uh, bang, uh, banging us over the head with it, right? Well, here's a, a counterexample. I thought that the, uh, in the first book, they have Moraine telling Nynaeve what it's like to channel without knowing it. Right. Like you get these sickness spells and blah, 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 blah. Right. But we also see that happening to Rand. And there's no explicit connection between those two. And I think I missed that the first time I read through the books. I definitely did. But if you're watching for it, you, you can put it together. Oh, Rand is channeling. Every time one of these crazy things happens to him, he gets sick later on. You put that together with another thing. I thought that's very subtle. Yeah. That's uh, a good point. So maybe he can do it. Maybe he just didn't have a whole lot of control of what he's, the information he's conveying. Yeah. 
Well, I like the theory that maybe Celine is actually manipulating their minds. It's not just that she's so, so pretty. Mm-hmm. She's she's channeling and casting some sort of like, uh, you know. Yeah, because it's very yeah. obvious that she calls up the Grom. Absolutely. So yeah. I think maybe she has some powers that we are are not very clear yet, but have to do with manipulating minds. Mm-hmm. She's definitely one of the. Uh, I think it was when they first, when when the the I said I were having that meeting. When we first heard about Lanfear. I think they mentioned she was one of the most powerful I said I. Ever, you know, she she was she was one of the what are they for, the, one of the Forsaken, right? And they were there was some speculation that she might be just as powerful as the leader of the Forsaken, or something. I think yeah, Ishmael, Ishmael, yeah. So so yeah, I mean, like she she's very strong. Like she's probably more powerful than any Aes Sedai that's alive in the world today. So it stands to reason that she'd have powers that yeah. She also has that all that knowledge they said they lost all yeah. the things they could do in the Age of Legends. She was there. She yeah, Loyal says she knows a whole lot about the Age of Legends. You know, it's because like, okay. <laughs> that great library at Carhine. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Which he's visited, by the way. Loyal has been to that library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do we know um, was Lanfear romantically connected with Luz Theron? Do we know that for a fact yet? She was. Yeah. Yes, that was something they mentioned I previously think, as well. Yeah, that she was... Uh, he, she and Luz Theron were lovers before uh, he was with Ilyana. Okay. Right. And now, of course... But, she's, uh, but she, then she went evil. I think she's like a Lilith kind of character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lilith, like. where Luz Theron would be yeah. Adam. Which you, did you mention that last time? I did, yes. yes. Okay, that's yeah. where I learned it. So it looks like she's going to have the hots for this reincarnation. Uh, Rand, who is Luz Theron. She definitely has designs on him, like romantic designs on him, mm-hmm. even if it's just controlling him. But, but I mean, it seems like everyone wants Rand, well, you know, uh, everyone on, I uh, say, all the dark friends, all the dark people want Rand to be their leader. They don't want him to be a slave. They want him to, like, come into his own as, like, the new leader of the Forsaken or something, yeah, right? I think that's what the Dark One wants. Yeah. Uh, but the... And that's... So, therefore, that's what all the... All his servants want. But the servants are kind of... They say they fight each other all the time and they're really jealous. So, they're likely to kill him anyway. That's a good point. Uh, also worth noting, Padden Fane is no longer under the Dark One's thumb. Yeah. He's doing his own thing. Like with the, yeah. the remember we we saw Padden Fane going. We, we saw the dark friends, dark friends, dark the dark. Wait, what did you say? P P F and D F. No. Oh, the P F and the D F. P F and the D F. They kept going north and then south again because the you know the dark one wants Padden Fane to bring everything to the blight, and he's like, no, I'm not doing that. So he's on it. He's on his own now. He's doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. It's unclear what his motivations are. Right. Yeah. Except craziness. Except he hates Randall Thor. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's it for this episode of uh, The Dragon Reread. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 20 through 25 of The Great Hunt. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please send us an electronic mail at hello at thedragonreread.com. And please share us with anybody you think will like us. Give us good reviews on wherever you got this. Please like us in real life. Uh, I'm very addition- likable. Yeah, because <laughs> it's important to us. I'm not likable, but I'm so, so pretty. <laughs> so pretty. Apparently, that's all Skin that matters. Skin so soft. Yeah. <laughs> and you tell us how awesome we are. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. What more could we want, the lady? <laughs> Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.